This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. We've traditionally looked at departments for cost control. It's really about your enterprise now. How can you scale data and technology to bring visibility to things that you couldn't see before? Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm Jamie Sage, and I'm excited to be here. Today, I am joined by my colleagues, Mark Larson and Jeff Mosier. SG2 has been talking about tightening margins. An aging population, which means reimbursement rates are shifting from higher margin commercial payers to narrower margin Medicare payment rates. The continued adoption of value-based care and the movement towards price transparency are all contributing to the need to focus on margins. As the pandemic we're living in continues, health system leaders are really focusing even more on cost as a way to achieve sustainable growth in the years ahead. Mark and Jeff, we have all been around this healthcare world for a while. When you think about the focus on cost right now, how is it different today than it has been in the past? Mark, why don't we start with you? Well, Jamie, what I'm seeing the most is it's today's unique as far as healthcare cost increases being driven more from a supply side economics. Inflationary issues are really being driven by the lack of access to clinicians and staff at all levels. And we're hearing this across all our SG2 and Visient members. It's really forced hospitals to increase their pay, their hiring incentives, benefits, or hire temporary help from nursing staff companies. That's certainly a lot more expensive, and it's been really elevating the cost overall. And according to Kaufman Hall Healthcare Advisory Firm, for the month of September 2021, labor costs were up 18.4% when you compare it to that same month in 2020. Our members and clients are really seeing a lot of this. And it's not just exclusively to labor. Certainly, supply and drug costs are driving for a lot of the same reasons. We haven't seen this in the past. Jeff and I used to work in the cost areas considerably in the past, and the dynamics have really changed. Jeff, what are you seeing? I'll just tell you a quick story. Back in the 90s, when I was working with Mark and we were looking at labor productivity and looking at throughput and really trying to wring costs out of the systems across the country. Our focus was really heavily on productivity and standards around worked hours per unit of service and going department by department and really digging into that. There wasn't a lot of strategy connected to it. As an example, I remember working in the pharmacy department. This is probably in 1997, right when the Balanced Budget Act was happening. We were rolling up our sleeves to reduce costs. And we looked at productivity for the pharmacists, how many doses were dispensed, how many, whatever the unit of service happened to be. And the clinical pharmacists weren't thought of in terms of how could they really affect length of stay, discharge planning, and readmission rates, things like that. I hope now when we think about cost reduction strategies, we're keeping a keen focus on what some of the larger impacts might be for the organization, be it quality metrics, readmission statistics, length of stay management, all of those things. It's not just about a strict productivity lens. I bet I could go in any department at the hospital or across the health system now and find the same level of inefficiency. And maybe that's not fair, but I don't think we've made leaps and bounds in terms of improvement there. But the cost reduction strategy is really, really critical now 
just as much as it was in the 90s and even in 2008. I just hope we're all thinking about it from a holistic view of what organization's real purpose is and trying to get things accomplished that they need to. Jeff, that's really important what you say about bringing strategy and those operations components together. We teach every year at SG2 how to pull these things together. What are some of the tactics that organizations can take to infuse strategy into their operational planning? Mark is right in the labor shortages and the constraints we have right now are really debilitating to executing on strategy. There needs to be a nod to that first. Secondly, I was at a health system board retreat just this last weekend, and we were talking about operational improvement, big picture things that they wanted, big rocks that they wanted to implement. One of them was a connected EMR across their inpatient, outpatient, all of their campuses. The chief nursing officer looked at the CEO and just said, if you dare in this time, try to implement a new EMR, every nurse in this organization and physician is going to quit. And the physicians in the room were raising their hands saying, yep, please do not do that. We need to be nimble in strategy and also understanding of the operational challenges that the organizations are facing maybe start putting plans in place in the strategic planning office, working with the executive team of the organization and thinking about putting the plans together so that we can be ready to fire on all cylinders when the time is right. The other way we think about it in the course is we think about nimbleness and we think about, can you do something to test a hypothesis to say, strategically, this is what we want to do. Now, operationally, is there something that we can do really quick, inexpensively, and without burdening the workforce with a lot of rolling up their sleeves and hands-on work just to test it out so that we don't fail and we don't spend eight months going down a road and realize that that wasn't the solution and we didn't get the value proposition that we wanted to. So I think there's some different ways that you can, even in this environment, integrate strategy operations together, giving a nod to the challenges that we all face with resourcing things. When we think about the cost briefing that you put out early last year, there were four key areas to focus on. Can you tell us a little bit about each of those areas? When we looked at these across our organizations, across Vizient, even across SG2, we wanted to look at it from more of a strategic lens and thought about, well, what are those levers that we can pull? Not every health system, it's going to be appropriate for them to pull one of these levers, depending on your size and expanse of your health system. But what we did was we came up with three different buckets. The first one being strategic labor deployment. Strategic labor deployment has a very, very high return on it, but is a little bit more difficult and timely to innovate. What do we really mean by strategic labor deployment? This one's kind of interesting because it's really about transparency, understanding all your labor across all your segments, across your enterprise. And this has been one of the challenges with COVID is short-term supply of labor can often be impacted at the department level, but you may have a full enterprise of resources, some of them that may be accessible. So many health systems really don't have visibility to that workforce across their system. Looking at new AI techniques, information, cloud-based solutions across your organization, really big opportunity for that. The other thing from a strategic labor deployment perspective as well is focus 
on the labor that you have today and really think about that experience they have on a day-to-day basis. When you're thinking strategy, you need to have those strategies built in there that may actually help reduce some of that staff burnout. The second thing is around clinical efficiency. This was a lot of the work that we used to do. This is still very appropriate. It usually has about a medium return, a lot of work that goes into this, but the returns can be very beneficial. One big opportunity is the skilled nursing facilities. Many patients are opting out going there. Some of the skilled nursing facilities are not admitting new patients due to COVID. And so you have to think about how are you going to really manage your length of stay, maybe come up with other care at home, other alternatives, thinking about clinical efficiency in different ways, really adopting some of those digital solutions so that you understand where those barriers and bottlenecks exist across the organization. Third thing is around supply chain and pharmacy, really big potential here for dollar improvement as well, and typically not as difficult to implement. When we're looking at it more strategically, we really want to overcome those complexities, build more efficient, resilient supply chains. This really takes looking all the way upstream and downstream of how you're acquiring your supply chain because a lot of hospitals during the pandemic were actually exposed to difficulties getting access to new supplies and even some of the pharmacy challenges that existed getting access to new pharmaceuticals. Scaling services like pharmacy refill and logistics across the enterprise versus just in your hospital or just in your ambulatory surgery training. There's definitely a lot more opportunities. Many of the same reasons you get from the workforce piece is you're able to visually see where supplies are and not necessarily have to have storage of supplies and being able to really understand more visually when you need supplies and really streamlining that access. Building that high resiliency around that is important. And I'd say the last piece is just service rationalization. We know at SG2, this is the hardest piece. And really what we're talking about from a service rationalization perspective, I'll start with some Vizian data that I love. It actually showed across a number of health systems how many different assets they had doing, for instance, total hips and total knees. Some of them did incredibly low volumes in the work that we've done over the years. Often those low volume facilities are not always the highest quality and often the costs are very high as well. Thinking about that from a cost perspective, and this requires a lot of political capital across the organization. Thinking about all those different assets you deliver care and what is the most effective, efficient way to do that? Is there opportunity for consolidation across the system? Thanks, Mark, for that overview. That was great. You've both talked about workforce as being one of those key levers and one that is really especially challenged today in the pandemic. What are you seeing in terms of what healthcare leaders are doing today to approach that differently? Start with Mark and maybe Jeff, even you can chime in as well. It's been a challenge for everyone. The biggest area of opportunity around that, Jamie, has been how can we retain our existing staff? That's the biggest one. And everybody's struggling, and I don't think anybody's found what are those incentives overall. But what we have heard time and time again is the retention piece is not necessarily about paying more, providing bonuses, incentives. Sure, those are great. If you feel like you're underpaid, certainly that's important. What nurses are most concerned with is really making sure that the patient is cared for that they're safe and that we have enough resources to really bring that through. One of the things that we're hearing from clients is really making sure that we're staffing appropriately and understanding how we can shift staff around the organization. The other thing that they're hearing a lot about is, and this is more long-term and strategic, is how do we build that future pipeline? They're investing other avenues in the community to develop new nurses, even starting as far upstream 
as high schools, maybe even grade schools. And we hear some stories about folks that are actually nurses today, that that's how they had mentors at that point. So really thinking about that chain of a workforce and how you're going to bridge that to meet not even today's needs, but more importantly, as more nurses retire, more healthcare workers retire, that we have an adequate supply. I'd only add one thing, Jamie, and that is when I was in grad school in the early 90s, I took this class on stress management and and related to organizational psychology. The number one stressor in anyone's life is that causes you considerable consternation and maybe even to the point where you would leave your job is the feeling of lack of control. Over the course of the pandemic, a lot of us felt completely out of control. The level of anxiety that causes is something that we have to address. If we want to retain staff, one place to start is what can we do to create some level of control that our staff feel like they have control over what's happening to them in their day-to-day work lives. That is kind of touchy-feely, but I think it's important to recognize that probably is one of those undercurrents that's happening that's leading to a lot of the feelings of burnout or we are not controlling what's happening day to day. Anything that you can do as an organization to enable that feeling of control, you'll reap the rewards of that long term with your culture and with your retention of high quality staff. Great. Thank you, Jeff. I've heard other leaders at SG2 talk about different ways that we're trying to give staff control. There's some tactics behind that. I want to shift a little bit. Jeff, given your focus with boards and with your work on the strategy course, how do we approach strategic rationalization in a way in this market? What are some of the tactics you're seeing members and and organizations take? I might be a little biased here, Jamie, but I would start with the SG2 forecast and understanding what's growing and what's contracting. Probably even more importantly, what's shifting and what's moving to the outpatient arena. We spend a lot of time talking about workforce here, but the constraints aren't as pronounced in the pre-acute ambulatory arena. And there's an awful lot of activity there. Even before you get to service rationalization, I think you can understand that care is migrating, procedural volumes are migrating to ASCs and to hospital outpatient departments and even into the office where staffing is a little bit more stable. Can you leverage that, grow your ambulatory strategy, grow your ambulatory footprint, accelerate that? And while you're doing that, guess what? You're also decanting some of that volume from the inpatient environment, which will relieve some of the staffing pressure there. The obvious best case scenario is there's backfill of surgical volumes into the ORs that then have a length of stay assigned to them as well that are very profitable for the organization. That helps with the financial picture. But if you're resource constrained, at least you're capturing it somewhere versus just canceling elective cases in the inpatient environment across the board. The second thing is to look at your footprint. And if there are redundant services that are happening that are, again, tying up resources and you've got areas like station fill where we can't flex to the volume and the volumes at a level where it's inefficient, especially around the Vizient data that he was looking at around the low volume procedures at a certain site. That's a great opportunity to say, let's think about, do we need to do this here? It's always more inefficient when you have lower volume. It's easier to become efficient when you have a nice, consistent pipeline to build your staffing models around. 
as I think about the priorities, first, look at the outpatient shift that's happening and leverage and capture that. Secondly, roll your sleeves up around service distribution and rationalization and where you've got some low-hanging fruit. There are some opportunities there to reconfigure where you deliver care across your system of care, and you can gain some operational efficiency and some financial stability by doing that. Thank you, Jeff. We've talked a lot about the current challenges around cost reduction. Mark and Jeff, any final thoughts to the leaders that are out there as they think about approaching cost reduction in the year ahead? First of all, focus on your current staff to the utmost degree. Stay engaged with them. Understand what their challenges are. Let them voice their ideas and how to fix things and make sure they know you care and understand. That is the number one challenge and opportunity that I think organizations have from a cost perspective. It is expensive to see staff turnover. The second piece is look across your organization. Don't look at just your department. We've traditionally looked at departments for cost control. It's really about your enterprise now. How can you scale data and technology to bring visibility to things that you couldn't see before? There's technology out there to do that. That's exciting. It's strategic. It does take a little bit of time, but we've seen organizations reap the benefits of really having an enterprise look at their workforce. I can't believe I'm saying this, but probably not the best time to implement a labor management system, a productivity tracking system across your workforce that might cause quite a lot of pushback and not beneficial at all to your bottom line long term. Not to say that down the road, that is something you need to have, of course, but right now might not be the best time. We're going to be looking closely at really being creative with shared services. You've done a lot of consolidating at your organizations. You've maybe done some M&A activity. And have you really achieved the benefit of scale that is out there? There's an opportunity for all of us to reflect back to say, where can we pull things together? Two different X, Y, and Z departments. And can we outsource some of that or at least consolidate and share services? This is for the large systems. This is also for the independent hospitals out there too. spend some time focusing there and you might be able to get some financial gain there. Thank you, Mark and Jeff, for your amazing insights. As our members continue to find ways to achieve sustainable growth in the landscape of accelerating changes, keeping an eye on costs is going to be essential. I think this is going to be a topic we're going to spend more time on in the coming months. Thank you for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, we really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes. And you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, we recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts.